Hey, I'm so glad to see you today. I don't know where you want your world to change, but I'm confident that God's gonna talk to you in this series, How We Change the World. We're studying the book of Acts. Whether it's your own personal world, your home, your family, your finances, or the world at large that's bothering you, God wants to use you. He wants to bring positive change in you and through you. Well, I gotta tell you a story. The other day I was in the backyard and my two daughters were running around playing. Here's a picture of Evie and Zoe. And they were just having a great time. And I don't know if any of you have had wasps or hornet's nests in your yards this summer, but we've had a bunch of them. And oh my goodness, as a parent, it's one of the worst moments when all of a sudden you hear your child screaming a scream of pain. Well, one of my daughters, she had gotten bit right in the leg, stung, I guess is the proper term. She was stung by a wasp and she ran to me just in tears and I picked her up and I was holding her and she was crying and my heart was just breaking inside for her. Do you know that feeling? When you just, you see someone you love going through pain and you want so badly to make it go away. Can you relate to that feeling? Uh, maybe for you it's parenting or maybe it's in your own life that there's just severe pain right now and you just want it to go away. We all experience pain in this world. Sometimes it's little things like a wasp sting, but sometimes it's much more severe. Sometimes it's the pain of finding out that your spouse doesn't want to continue the marriage. Sometimes it's the pain of a cancer diagnosis. We look at our nation right now and we see deep division in so many areas. And for so many of us, it just brings a deep pain. I wonder today what pain in your life or what pain in your world is most frustrating? I mean, you could answer just between you and God, what is it? I mean, if God could fix one thing in your life, what would you ask him to fix? Well, I hope you'll identify that thing because as we go through the word of God today, he has a word for you. If I could tell you today how to alleviate some of that pain, if I could tell you today how to make it through, how to get some sense of relief, and if I could tell you today how God wants to use you to help others, even in your pain, would you wanna know? Well, that's what we're gonna learn as we continue our study in the book of Acts. We're in Acts chapter three, and if you were with us in the month of August, we learned how God sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit empowered the believers to continue the miracle ministry of Jesus. Now you might be thinking, John, what does this have to do with my pain? But here's what it has to do. Peter was living in the pain of shame. I don't know what area of pain you identified, but for Peter, his biggest pain was the pain of regret. He had denied Jesus. He had made the biggest mistake of his life. And then Jesus said, I'm gonna heal you and then I'm even gonna use you to do my work. Well, in Acts chapter three, the Holy Spirit has now fallen upon the original group of believers and God is going to continue the miracle ministry of Jesus through Peter. Starting in verse two, we're told this, a man who was lame from birth, so this guy was crippled, this guy couldn't walk. In fact, this word lame, the Greek word is the idea of your ankle bones where there's a joint there. If it wasn't a joint, this guy's ankles had never worked his entire life from birth. He was every day carried to the temple gate called beautiful. And what he would do at the temple gate is he would beg for money. 
This was his sustenance. This was his income. This was his way of life. As people were going in and out of the temple, he was there and he had probably some little cup or something that he was holding out saying, please, you know, give me your alms for the poor. So here's this guy's pain is physical. His hope is that he'll just get enough money to get through the day. Well, he sees Peter and John, they're about to enter the temple and he asks them for money, just like he's asking everyone else for money. Well, the story continues. And when Peter sees him, he says, I don't have any money for you. So imagine this guy for a moment, here's the one thing he wants is money. Here comes the people of God and they say, no, we don't have any money, but the sentence continues. What I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Well, taking him by the hand, he helps him up. Peter helps this guy up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. The guy starts jumping up. He jumps to his feet, he begins walking around and then he goes around into the temple courts and he's just jumping around and he's praising God. He's telling everyone about God. Now here's the first thing that God wants you to know today in your pain. It's that God cares. You need to know whether you're hurting in your heart, in your body, hurting about what's happening in the world, or in your family, or in your business, God cares about your pain. Not only does God care about your pain, but God's solution for your pain, it might just be way bigger than you expect. It might be bigger than you expect. It might be better than you expect. I mean, this crippled guy, he's expecting to get a little bit of money, and he doesn't get what he wanted, but he ends up getting something so much better, a miraculous healing, the ability to walk. Here's what I want you to know today. God may or may not resolve your pain exactly the way you want or exactly on your timeline, but if you will continue to believe in Jesus, he will resolve your pain in bigger and better ways than you could even anticipate. I know it takes faith to believe that. This story is living proof that the ministry of Jesus continues. And it's the first out of four assurances that I wanna give you today in your pain. I love it that this crippled guy, after God heals him, that he starts walking, he starts jumping, he starts praising God. I feel like we see this here at Connection Point every time we get to baptize new believers. Uh, here's a few shots of some of our recent baptisms. And man, I love the look of joy on Al's face. As Al was coming up out of the water, I got to baptize him. And just getting to see God bring joy to people who were hurting. You know what I love about this story is that Peter had been living in the pain of shame and Jesus healed him. But then Jesus uses Peter to go heal someone else. And this is why I love it that at our church, a lot of times pastors, they'll do some of the baptisms, but I love it when non-pastors are doing the baptisms because you don't have to be a pastor to lead someone else to Jesus where they can find healing, where they can find hope. And I just love these smiles. I love the relief. I love people experiencing God. This is why we exist as a church. We keep this chain of healed lives. It continues and it continues. God healed Peter so he could heal others. And God's gonna heal you 
so that you can heal others. Not only that, but even as your pain continues, Paul the Apostle, we're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, had what he called a thorn in the flesh. And this was a messenger of Satan sent to torment him. Those are Paul's words, it sounds dramatic. Paul's pain was physical, spiritual, and emotional. And Paul asked God three times, God, would you take this away from me? And God says, Paul, I'm gonna leave that pain in your life. Why? Because my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul, that pain will be a daily reminder that my strength comes into your life through your pain. You see, the pain that's in your life today, God is allowing it. He's not the author of it, but he's allowing it because one, it's temporary, just like that wasp sting that my daughter had. It's not gonna last forever. But secondly, it reminds us why we're on planet Earth, that planet Earth is not heaven. It's been broken by our enemy, Satan. And Jesus came to this world to deliver us from pain, to deliver us from death. And when pain comes into our lives as believers, it's a reminder that we're here to help others get out of pain. We're here to help others know the eternal life that's available to them through Jesus. Well, just like Peter, God wants to heal you and then he wants to use you. After Peter heals this crippled man, the crowd that's there at the temple, they all see this guy running around, dancing, celebrating, and they all say, what in the world happened? How did this guy get healed? Well, Peter stands up and Peter starts to preach about Jesus. Now, if you've been with us in this study in the book of Acts, you know that Peter had denied Jesus back when Jesus was being crucified. And then Jesus said, Peter, my power's gonna come upon you when you receive the Holy Spirit. And we've learned that as followers of Jesus, we have to have the Holy Spirit to give us power. Well, Peter's now so transformed that the same people this crowd Peter's talking to, they're the exact same people who had shouted crucify him about Jesus. I mean, probably 40 or 60 days ago, it hasn't even been more than two or three months, these exact same people were chanting for Jesus to be beaten and whipped and tortured. And now Peter, who was afraid to be identified as a follower of Jesus then, now Peter courageously, boldly starts to preach about Jesus. And Peter is gonna say this miracle that just happened, it happened because of Jesus. In fact, we've learned that the Holy Spirit will come into your life and the Holy Spirit will empower you to do miracles. But these miracles are not random, they're not hokey, they're not magic tricks. The Holy Spirit will give you supernatural power to be able to point people to Jesus. And that's exactly why God healed this crippled man. Yes, God loved the crippled man and wanted to help him, but he also wanted to give an illustration that the miracle ministry of Jesus was continuing. So here's how Peter puts it in Acts 3, verse 16. He says this to the crowd, it's by faith in the name of Jesus that this man who you see here, and you all know he's been crippled his whole life, it's by faith in the name of Jesus that he's been made strong. And then Peter continues and he says this, it's Jesus' name. And it's the faith that comes through Jesus. That's what completely healed this guy, just as all of you can see. So Peter takes the opportunity to say, this is all about Jesus. You see, believing in Jesus, and I don't just mean believing generically, but believing Jesus, your God, your power exists today. When you believe in Jesus' power, 
It transforms you. And not only does it transform you, but then God uses you as a transformed person to transform the world around you. Believing in Jesus. I know that sounds so simple, but it's also so difficult. We're gonna unpack what does it really mean to believe in Jesus' power in a way that transforms you and then transforms the world around you. Peter and John healed this guy who'd been crippled and they didn't do it by just sitting in a room saying, oh, we believe in Jesus. They did it as they walked out into the streets of life. They took to the streets. And as Peter talks to this crowd, those same people who'd been there in Jerusalem, who had killed and crucified Jesus, here's what he's gonna say in Acts 3 verse 15. He says, by the way, not only did Jesus heal this guy, but in case you guys forgot, you all killed him. And this Jesus, he's the very author of life. In other words, Jesus isn't just a prophet or something. He's the very creator. Life exists because of him. And talk about kind of poetic irony. You killed the author of life. But God has raised him up from the dead. And Peter says to the crowd, we're witnesses of this. We've seen Jesus raised from the dead. And now Peter's gonna preach the gospel. He says, repent, turn back to God so that your sins may be wiped out. You see, far more than the crippled man needed healing in his ankles, everyone Peter's preaching to needed healing in their souls. Every single one of us, the pain that's in your life, yes, God cares about it, but the deepest need in your life is your soul, your salvation. In fact, if you're listening to this today and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, right now you can call out just like this says, turn to God and just say, God, I need you to forgive my sins. I need you to wipe them out. Peter knew what it was to have sin and shame and regret. And Peter knew what it was to believe in Jesus in a way that wipes away all of your mistakes. Don't live another day with a cloud of regret hanging over you. Through Jesus, your sins can be wiped away completely. And then Peter says, when you do this, when you believe in Jesus, times of refreshing will come from the Lord. And then he will send the Messiah who's been appointed for you. The Messiah, Jesus, is the one who can ultimately heal your deepest needs. And then Peter continues and he says this, Heaven must receive him. In other words, Jesus returned back to heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything. Now, bear with me here. We're gonna use our, our minds a little bit. Jesus' ministry is past, present, and future. Jesus dying on the cross was in the past. Jesus' presence with Peter was in the present and his presence is with us today. But in the future, Jesus will return, this time not as a little baby in a manger, but as the judge. He'll return with a sword on a battle horse and he will judge evil and injustice once and for all. And so Peter wraps in this short sermon the reality that we are engaged in a spiritual battle that because of Satan, that's why there's pain in our lives. And Peter ties this all together, that the suffering in your life, whether it's cancer, a broken relationship, anxiety, depression, discouragement, the division you see in our country, whatever that 
evil is, it ultimately is the result of the spiritual battle that Satan is engaged with God in a battle for your soul and the souls of all people. I wanna show you a clip from a movie. It's from the Chronicles of Narnia written by C.S. Lewis. And this is a recent movie from The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe. And it's gonna start with a battle scene. This battle pictures the spiritual battle that's going on today for the souls of your children and grandchildren, your friends and your loved ones, there's a battle being waged. And as this battle's going on, you're gonna see that the Jesus figure, which is Aslan the lion, has recently been killed. And I want you to grasp as you watch this, what's going on in our world right now, that there's a battle for souls, and that while it may look like Jesus has been killed, he has risen from the grave, and he will return to set everything right. Let's take a look. We should go. knew the true meaning of sacrifice, she might have interpreted the deep magic differently. That when a willing victim who has committed no treachery is killed in a traitor's stead, the stone table will crack, and even death itself would turn backwards. 
We sent the news that you were dead. Peter and Edmund will have gone to war. We have to help them. We will, dear one, but not alone. What does Jesus want you to know in your pain and in the pain of this world? He wants you to know that his work on the cross is the ultimate solution. I want to point out four ways, four ways that Jesus really brings meaning even in our pain. You see, it's Jesus' crucifixion. What does that mean? It means he died for our mistakes. So if your pain has something to do with shame or guilt or mistakes, you need to focus on the fact that Jesus died in your place. He reconnected you back to God. If you feel like God could never love me, I've done too much wrong, then you got to focus on what Jesus did on the cross. His crucifixion reconnects you to God. Jesus' resurrection is the proof that he can overcome death. So if you're dealing with cancer or sickness, if you've recently lost a loved one, or maybe a relationship has died and the person is still alive, but the relationship is dead, you need to know that Jesus has defeated death. He has defeated broken relationships and his power of resurrection will in time heal what's broken in your life. Maybe what you need right now is the presence of Jesus in your life. Maybe you just feel so alone against the world or you feel like you don't have the power to do what's right in your life. It's Jesus' presence that lets you know that God is with you. The same Peter who denied Jesus and ran away at his crucifixion stood up boldly in front of thousands of people and said things that they all wanted to kill him for. What was the difference? Peter now knew that Jesus' presence lived within him through the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's Jesus' future return that you need to cling to in your pain. Maybe you're in a pain like Paul the Apostle's thorn in the flesh. Maybe you've gotten a diagnosis uh, that you have a sickness that's going to kill you and you aren't being healed yet. And you have to remind yourself that this isn't the end for you. That when you breathe your final breath on earth, it won't be the end for you. It will be the beginning of an eternity with God. That Jesus will return. And in this life, he's either going to return in the clouds for us, or when we breathe our final breath on earth, it will be our first breath in the presence of God, where we will be with the other followers of Jesus in a land of no racism, of no division, of no shortages, of no kinds of suffering of any kind. Jesus' crucifixion, his resurrection, his presence, and his return, these are the solutions for every problem in your life. And I know that can sound generic, like, okay, Jesus is the solution for everything. But I hope by highlighting those four dimensions of Jesus, you have a sense that whatever you go through, you can know Jesus is the solution. Even something as simple as my daughter getting stung by a wasp. I've so trained my kids that they all say, yeah, dad, it's because of Adam and Eve, because they sinned in the garden. That's why we have wasps. But someday we'll be in a place with Jesus where there are no wasps. And you need to know today, someday we'll be in a place with Jesus where there's no cancer, where there's no broken relationships, where there's no political division. There's a kingdom that's coming in the future. Well, maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking, okay, John, that's great, but I don't think you understand just how deep my pain is right now. Uh, John, if you understood how much I'm hurting, you'd understand that talking about Jesus, it just kind of falls flat. 
Well, let me introduce you to someone who I can guarantee has been through as much suffering as what you're going through right now. Her name is Corey Tenboom. And I've actually put Corey's name on here because if you're really hurting right now and you're like, I'm trying to believe God, but I don't know how he could bring good from this, then I want to encourage you to take a picture of this. You can pull out your phone or you could take a screenshot. Get Corey's name because any book written by Corey Tenboom will carry you through your pain and suffering. I've been through pain in my life and Corey Ten Boom's words next to the words of Jesus have ministered to me more than any other books. You see, Corey Ten Boom lived a life of horrific pain, but within it, she experienced Jesus. Uh, Corey lived during World War II and Corey was a follower of Jesus, but she lived in Nazi-occupied territory. As you probably know, the Nazis were gathering the Jews. They were rounding them up, sending them off to concentration camps to be exterminated. Well, Corey knew this was against the work of God in the world. And so Corey, who worked as a watchmaker and a clockmaker, she started to hide Jewish people in her home and in her dad's watchmaking business. Well, eventually, the German Nazis found Corey Tenboom hiding these Jews. They arrested her and they put her in a concentration camp called Ravensbrück. Now, this is one of the less horrific pictures of Ravensbrück. If you look it up, there's very horrific pictures. In Ravensbrück, Corey would see her own sister die out of starvation. She watched herself and her loved ones become emaciated from malnutrition of not having enough food. If you want to talk about suffering in this life, Corey experienced it in every dimension. Physically, she felt it as her body wasted away. Emotionally, she felt it as she saw her loved ones die and she was grieving. And you talk about the pain of injustice and racism. Well, Corey had stood up against the racism against the Jewish people. And as a result, she was in prison. And you talk about injustice. Now she's having to go through this suffering just for trying to do what was right in the world. Let me read you just a few words from Corey Tenboom. She says this, the silence of night had fallen on 700 women lying tightly packed together asleep in the barracks of a concentration camp. Bep, my sister, awakened me and repeated to me there in the night in a whisper that God had told her he had great work waiting for me when I finally got out of this concentration camp. Quote, we must open up a home for all who have suffered so much here and in other places because of this war. But the most important part of our task will be to tell anyone who will listen that Jesus is the only answer to the problems that are disturbing the hearts of men and of nations. Let me just say this again from a person who survived a Nazi concentration camp and says, I experienced God in my suffering. She says, Jesus is the only answer to the problems that are disturbing the hearts of people and the hearts of nations. And then Corey's sister, in one of their final conversations before her sister went to heaven, says, we will have the right to tell people that Jesus brings hope because our experience is proving that Jesus' light is more powerful than even the deepest darkness. Corey Tenboom is living proof 
that you can experience Jesus in your pain even when it doesn't go away right away. And you can see Jesus use you to heal others. Corey would survive that concentration camp even though her sister didn't. And Corey would then be used by God to bring thousands of people to a place of peace and faith in Christ. Even former Nazi guards who used to beat Corey and her sister, she would be able to lead to faith in Christ. I mean, you talk about a miracle. Later in Corey's life, after she was released from that concentration camp and she's traveling around the world telling people about Jesus, she would write these words. I was once a passenger aboard a ship that was being guided by radar. The fog was so dense, we couldn't even see the water around us. But the radar screen showed a streak of light indicating the presence of another ship. The radar penetrated the fog and picked up its image. Corey says it's the same way that radar sees through clouds that our faith sees through what we can't see in this world. And then she says this, the reality of Christ's victory on the cross can only be seen through the radar of faith. Our faith perceives what is actual and real in the world. Things that our physical senses and our cognitive minds can't see, faith sees more. Corey then writes about the future return of Jesus. These same four things that Peter preached and that you can cling to today, that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose again, that he's present with us and he will return. These are the same four things that Corey Ten Boom clung on to as she endured a Nazi concentration camp. And she writes this, the world complains that there's no longer a future. But we find in the Bible that one in every 25 texts speaks about the future kingdom of God. There's no one who fears the coming of Christ so much as the devil. And it has been a victory of the devil that many Christians have forgotten that Jesus will return. And this is our great hope. She writes that Jesus and Paul and Peter all state in unmistakable language, there will be a point in time when Christ returns. That's why the Bible says comfort one another with these words. If you can't get through your suffering any other way, remind yourself Jesus will return. And I'm here on earth to be a world changer. Just like Peter, just like Paul. Not only will God someday heal my pain, but God is going to use me in this world because of my pain to be a world changer. There will be signs of the times and Jesus in the end will gather us to himself and say, behold, I make all things new. Well, just like Corey Ten Boom, Peter was convinced that Jesus is the only solution for humanity. So when he preaches, he's going to say this in Acts 4, verse 12. Salvation, the true deliverance that all people need in this broken world, it's found in no one else but in Jesus. For there's no other name given among men under heaven by which we can be saved, the name of Jesus. Now, if you think about salvation, I want to show you a true story. It happened just this last week. You've probably heard about the wildfires in California. There was a group of people out camping. They got caught in the fire. There was only one way out. Go ahead and take a look. There's fire on all sides, all around us, all the roads are burnt. 
it was like instant. I mean, it was it was instant danger. There was instant no way out. second it was we were fine and then it was like 30 minutes later the fire had engulfed like, like the lake like literally it was 30 45 minutes and there was no escape it was it was out of this world people didn't have cell phone reception i didn't have cell phone reception we didn't think anybody even knew we were there and not knowing and just being surrounded by fire, it was like, we're goners. We had to kind of keep our cool as best we could because we had two little kids. We were, we were scared inside and we were definitely afraid that we were gonna die. Once we knew that the chopper knew where we were, you know, they were getting closer, we all started jumping and hugging and, and it was like a, a mini celebration because we knew that somebody was here to rescue us. This is such a picture of the state of humanity today. The world is on fire around us and there aren't many hopes that last. There's only one. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. And just like that rescue helicopter came in, it was the only way out. Jesus is the only way out. Uh, yes, there's some little fire extinguishers that can work here and there and can make some difference. And those are good things. And it's good for us to be a part of those. But the only hope that will really help the people we love 100 years from now when their bodies have died is the hope of Jesus. You could put it this way, the only lasting hope for humanity, the only hope that will outlast every political party and every disease and every sickness and brokenness, the only hope that will outlast our time on earth is the hope of Jesus. And church, this is why we exist. We exist to be those rescuers in the helicopter of Jesus. The church is the continued work of Jesus on earth. No matter how ordinary you might feel or how broken you might feel in your pain, God wants to use you in his great rescue for the people around you. I love it that when Peter finishes his sermon about Jesus, the same Peter who used to be afraid to be identified with him, here's how people respond in Acts 4.13. When they saw the courage of Peter, why does he have courage? Because he now has the Holy Spirit living within him. And when they saw this courage and realized he's just an ordinary guy, they were astonished. They're astonished and they took note these men have been with Jesus. Here's the thing. If you will keep being with Jesus, gathering for church every weekend, whether online or in person, opening the word of God, starting your faith first journey with us by texting the word first. If you will continue being with Jesus, he will work in you and he will work through you. And there will be people who see you and are like, wow, how does that person have such clarity, such courage, such calm in the middle of a firestorm? And the answer will be that you have been 
with Jesus. You see, God changes the world through ordinary people who live like Jesus is the only hope for our world. God changes the world through ordinary people. And God wants to change the world through you. Well, at the beginning of our time, I told you about my daughters and that wasp sting. Now, here's the thing. As a loving dad, I picked my daughter up and I held her. And that was a great moment. But you got to know, as a loving dad, I didn't stop at that. No, I ran straight to the garage and I looked through all our insect-killing chemicals and I got the biggest can of wasp and hornet killer that I could get. And I geared up. I should have taken a picture. I had sunglasses on and a raincoat on. And I got that wasp killer and I went straight to that hive, that nest, and I just soaked them in that spray. Why? Because I don't just want to comfort my daughter when she's hurting. I want her to be able to run and play without the threat of being stung ever again. And here's the thing. When Jesus died on the cross, he demonstrated that not only will he hold you in your pain, but that he will take you to a place where there are no wasps, where there is no cancer, where there's no division, no suffering, no pain of any kind. Let me pray that for you right now. Father, I pray that each of us, where there's pain in our lives, that we would believe with fresh faith that when you died on the cross and then when you rose from the dead, you provided a way for us to live with you where there will be no pain. And that until then, your presence is with us in your Holy Spirit. And God, may we never forget that we're not in this world merely to endure, but to be world changers. And Jesus, the only change that can really last in this world is you. And so, Lord, if we've been looking to other things to be the hope of the world, would you forgive us for that? Remind us today that, Jesus, you are what the world needs. Make us world changers. Would you heal what's broken and crippled in us? Would you wash away our shame? Would you fulfill our desires in you? May we know your presence. And then, God, as you meet our needs, would you use us to go out and meet the needs of a world that needs Jesus so desperately? We pray it in his name. Amen.